Hey, church family. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the worship director here at Leroy United Methodist Church. We are so glad that you are streaming or downloaded this, and we can't wait to worship with you in person. Today, we are continuing in our series titled Waking the Dead. And let's go ahead and send it over to Pastor Matthias. Oh, friends, this morning we are continuing with our uh, Halloween fun by continuing our series in which we are taking a look at all the different places in Scripture where the dead are raised by new vision and by new life. Uh, At the start of the month, we were looking mainly at the Old Testament, um, Ezekiel's dry bones and the prophet Elisha. And now we're kind of shifting gears into the New Testament, taking a look at one of the most I think one of the most iconic passages about new life uh, from the uh, letter of Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 to 11. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is free from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So far as Paul is concerned, We are the walking dead. And I'm not kidding. That is not a joke. That is not a metaphor. That is not an allegory. And that is not an exaggeration. St. Paul the Apostle believed that you, me, and every single baptized man or woman who believes in Jesus Christ is the walking, talking dead in a very literal, very real way. Because if you are in Christ, Paul says, then you have already died, but you are not yet fully alive. That's one of the strangest contradictions and oddest things about this passage where Paul talks about death and new life. Romans 6, it has to be one of the most iconic passages in the New Testament, one that I imagine we've probably all read or heard at one time or another, but what very few people notice about it is that whenever Paul talks about how we have 
died to sin in Jesus Christ, he consistently talks about it in the past tense as something that's already happened. Take a closer look. Verse 5, since we have been united with him in death. Verse 6, our old self was crucified with him. Verse 8, since we have died with Christ. Over and over throughout the passage, Paul tells us that death is somehow, in some way, something we've already faced and put behind us the day we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And yet, at the exact same time that Paul talks about death in this past tense way, whenever Paul talks about resurrection and salvation and new life, Paul talks about that new life in the future tense. Verse 4, we too will walk in the newness of life. Verse 5, we will be united with him in a resurrection like this. Verse 8, we will also live with him. Isn't that odd? I mean, you almost get the sense when you read this passage carefully that salvation isn't entirely complete yet. Instead, it's like we're only halfway through the process, dead to sin, yet not truly, fully alive. Of course, that's often very different from how many Christians today assume that salvation happens. Today, especially in our context, we are good consumers, and we expect to have things now, and so sometimes assume that we can have the new life Jesus offers immediately, with no delay, no effort, no changes, and no obligations. In fact, you can just read the words off of a pamphlet, some guy on the sidewalk, hands into your hands, and boom, instant salvation, just add water. Get it? Baptism joke? Okay, I worked on that one, but... <laughs> And while I don't want to belittle evangelism, it is, it is important to point out that that kind of instantaneous, consumer-ready salvation just isn't how Paul sees new life in Jesus Christ playing out. You may die to the power and control of sin the second you accept the grace of Jesus Christ, but new life takes a bit more time, and a lot more change. Romans 6 leaves Christians in a really strange spiritual limbo, caught somewhere between death to sin and true new life. We are the walking dead because for Paul, new life is something we have already, but not yet. Now, there were a few reasons why Paul thought of Christians in this really weird, undead way. For one thing, Paul and the earliest Christians took baptism a lot more seriously than we often do. The early church believed that, oh, they believed that going down into the waters of baptism wasn't just a symbolic act, but was in a very real sense, going down into the grave with Jesus Christ in order to put our old self to death and to rise up as something, someone new. I mean, have you ever noticed how most baptismal tubs are shaped like a grave? 
Granted, you would still have to physically die one day, but spiritually, the earliest Christians thought you had already faced and gone through death at baptism. That's one of the reasons why the Roman persecutions couldn't stop the earliest Christians. You can't scare dead men and women with the thought of death. But there was another reason why Paul genuinely believed that Christians are, in effect, the walking dead. And that had to do not so much with Paul's vision about what it means to just die, but what it means to truly, fully live with and in Christ. You see, somewhere behind that contradiction about past tense and present tense, about already being dead but not yet alive, somewhere behind that, Paul has in mind a very subtle but very powerful idea. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, then you are already dead to your old self, to all the sins all the shame, all the regret, all the brokenness that once characterized your old life, but you are not yet fully alive. We haven't fully been resurrected. We are still imperfect. We still wrestle and struggle with sin. We're dead, but not yet fully alive. But that means that right now, in this walking dead limbo that we call the present, the only life that you have isn't yours, it's Christ's. As one biblical scholar, Paul Eichtmeier, put it, until that future resurrection, we have, it would seem, no life of our own, only the life of Christ. We will take possession of our new life at the final resurrection, but until that time, the new life we have, we have by reason of Christ. What an oddly beautiful way to think about your life. To think that the moment you accept the grace of Jesus Christ is the exact same moment you accept a kind of death to your old self, death to the old ways of living that always kept you trapped, death to the regrets and the mistakes that have always followed you, death to the fears and the failures that keep you awake at night because God's grace means that those things don't rule you anymore. Sin is no longer what defines your life. Grace is. And how miraculous to then think and to then realize that accepting the grace of Christ brings death to who you used to be because Christ has in mind to make you into someone new. Yes, it's true. Even after accepting Christ, even after baptism, we are all still broken. We all still sin. We're all still imperfect True life and complete salvation isn't that magic one-and-done consumer purchase we might sometimes want it to be because Christ isn't just out to kill and to end the sins and the brokenness of who we used to be, but Christ is out to make us fully alive, and Christ plans to do it by giving us his life. 
Until that future resurrection, we have no life of our own except the life of Christ, because that's the only life Christ has to give you, and that's the only life that's worth chasing after. And I know that probably sounds really vague and probably way too theological for a rainy day like this. So think of it this way. C.S. Lewis had, I think, the perfect metaphor for what it means to be in Christ in this strange walking dead limbo of the present. Lewis said that trying to live in Christ, trying to live like Christ, is like someone who wears a mask for many, many, many years until one day they discover that their face has slowly been reformed and reshaped into that mask. That's what discipleship looks like. It's not about being absolutely perfect at all times, but putting on Christ in order to become like Christ. Christians are those who are dead to sin and who little by little, bit by bit, are growing into true, real, new life because Christians are the ones who are little by little letting themselves be remade as Christ. And so little by little are waking up to the real life that is to come. As Lewis put it even more plainly, you are dressing up as Christ. If you like, you are pretending, because when you do, Christ is actually at your side and is already at that moment beginning to turn your pretending into a reality. That's what Paul has in mind. We have already died to our old selves, even as we struggle with our flaws. And so now that we've come back from the grave, we wear the mask of who we hope to be. We wear the mask of who we are called to be. We wear the mask of Christ, because the longer we wear the mask, the more the mask becomes who we are the more our pretending becomes living because Christ is there to make it real. As Lewis ultimately concludes, and I'm sorry, this is a long quote, but it was too perfect not to read all of it. It is not a question of a good man who died 2,000 years ago. It is a living person, still as much a person as you and still as much God as when he created the world really coming and interfering with your very self, killing the old self in you and replacing it with the kind of self he has. At first, only for moments, then for longer periods, and finally, if all goes well, turning you permanently into a different sort of thing, into a little Christ, a being which in its own small way has the kind of life as God. That is the kind of life Christ Jesus wants for us, his life. That is the vision Paul has for us, a vision of life not as we used to be, but as Christ is. That is the vision of life our faith calls us to wake up from the dead for, 
And that is the vision of life this church family chases after in all that we do. We don't reach out to serve as Christ's hands because we're trying to make our old selves better. We reach out as Christ's hands because those are the only hands we have been left with now. And we don't love each other as Christ's family because we're always so perfect and flawless, but because we know who it is that Christ is making us into. We are the walking dead at Leroy UMC because we are the ones who have died to sin, to shame, to brokenness. And because we are walking into the real, full life that Christ is even now reaching out to share with us. You have died with Christ, Paul says in the remarkable past tense. And you will live with him in the miraculous future tense. And the good news of that strange contradiction and that strange image of the walking dead is that it's because of that that Paul can say, so consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus in this beautiful present tense. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. And friends, as we have been doing each Sunday this month, as we close the sermon and prayer, I would invite you to pray with me that vision, that prayer that we have as a church family. Friends, please join me in prayer. Christ, make us your hands by the way we serve our neighbor with authentic compassion and make us your family by the way we love one another with unconditional grace. May that be true of us. Amen. Again, we want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you safe this week. Go in peace.